can dreams to save your Behind life? The how can dreams be interpreted? Paul and, and how ben do you know Dino. the interpretation is correct? Well, uh, welcome to the 828th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm not Ben. He's uh, doing the producer thing. And those ethereal questions uh, were directed uh, toward a very interesting guest who was new on the show uh, and a subject we haven't spent much time on over the years, dreams. And we welcome your calls today. It's 401-766-1240 from anywhere. Or email paul at behindtheparanormal.com or contact us by Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You want to do the bio? Oh, no, please. You're so okay. good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen O'Keefe Canavos is a dream expert and three-time breast cancer survivor who used dreams to diagnose her illness when her doctors missed it. She credits her survival to conventional treatment combined with dreams as a diagnostic tool. She is one of 20 case studies from a paper on precognitive dreams that diagnosed breast cancer recently published in a medical journal. She lives in Palm Beach, Florida. In this field, she works with Dr. Larry Burke, an MD who lives in North Carolina. They co-authored the award-winning 2018 book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases. So, Kathleen O'Keefe Carnivals, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, hey, it's great great to have you on. So let's let's start off with with some seemingly simple questions, uh, but they could lead into much larger questions. So your own story. How did dreams lead you to realize that you had breast cancer? Well, you know, I had gone for my yearly checkups, uh, the way most women do every year. I had my um, blood test, physical exam, pap smear, the whole nine yards, and the doctors all uh, told me I was healthy and to go home, they would see me in a year. And I started to have these very odd dreams-slash-nightmares. And what made these different from all the other dreams I would have is I would be having my regular dream, and all of a sudden it would freeze, just like a pop-up window on your computer. And through this pop-up window would grow a door and through the door would walk a monk, a Franciscan monk, you know, with his brown robe on. His robe was always, uh, his robe hood was always up. So I couldn't see his face. Um, you know, he had a, a, um, a rope belt on and these little leather sandals and he would walk up to me and say, come with me. We have something to tell you. And he would then take me through the top, the pop-up door into what I call the room between realms. And this is a room that is neither of the living nor of the dead, but it is a, um, a room like a waiting room in a hospital where both sides can come together and visit and speak. And they actually took my hand, put it on my breast, and said, do you feel that? And I said, yeah, I do. They said, that's breast cancer. You go back to your doctor without an appointment and tell him you need a second set of tests. So, you know, I thought, well, that's really weird. And then they would lead me back through the door. The door would close up behind me, and my dream would start right back up as though it had never stopped. And so I did go back to my doctor, and this happened three different times over like a three-month period, my doctor would give me another blood test. He'd give me another physical exam, tell me I was healthy, and to go home. And the third time this happened 
when I saw the pop-up and the monk walk through the pop-up, I started crying as he was walking toward me. And I said, look, I know why you're here, and but I don't know what to do. My doctors aren't listening to me, and and I can't do these tests on myself. And I said, if I really do have breast cancer, you need to to do something to help me to convince them. And this monk reached inside of his sleeve because the sleeves were so big they would just kind of tuck their hands in there. And he pulled out this little tiny white feather, handed it to me and said, if you return tomorrow to your doctor and you use this tiny angel feather as a sword to cut through their arguments and really believe this sword will help you, it will. And so I did. I went back the next day and I went, you know, to my doctor, and as soon as he saw me, he was like, oh, my gosh, Kathy, why are you back? And uh, I said, look, you need to help me. I know something is wrong. And he said, uh, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to do exploratory surgery. And he looked like I had just set myself on fire. And he said, no, we can't do that. It's against hospital policy. It's against my policy. But long story short, I imagined that feather. I imagined pointing that feather at him, and again, uh, long story short, I ended up having the exploratory surgery, and the pathology report stated that I was in stage two with the breast cancer in my lymph node, and the dreams were then validated by the pathology reports. So that's not something that we read a lot about. In, in books and in, in, in medical journals. It's very seldom you have a dream that precedes the pathology report. Usually somebody will have um, a, a pathology report and then they have dreams about it. Hmm. All right, I'm going right, to... Um, uh, we got back feet here. Uh, I'm going to ask Ben the next question because he's busy here. Uh, can that work for everybody? I mean, in the sense, what if you're one of these people who doesn't dream? Or doesn't remember their dreams? Well, you know, everybody and everything dreams. Even if you've got a pet, a cat, or a dog, or um, a bird, everything dreams. It's not, not that you don't dream. It's more that we don't remember our dreams. And so in the book, I actually have a chapter. So don't run. If you're listening right now, don't, you know, run and get a piece of paper and pencil. Um, just listen. Uh, what you do is you use the words so dream to help yourself remember the dream by using the first letter of both of those words. So S would be to set your intention. Before you go to sleep at night, set your intention to remember your dreams. It can be that simple. That really and works, can, huh? It does. It really works. Hmm. Write it on a piece of paper. Stick it under your pillow. Um, o is organize yourself. That's really important. Have you know, that paper and pencil right next to your bed so that you can write your dreams down right away when you wake up in the morning and don't let them uh, just disappear like, like you know, fog in the early morning. And then D, dream. You know, know that you're going to dream and then go ahead and dream. But now this time, when you dream, make sure that you write down your emotion, E emotion as soon as you wake up because that is then going to help you remember parts of your dream and your emotions are the snippet parts of your dreams like the pop-up for me 
or the monks that walk through. I don't remember any of the other dreams that I had that night or the dream I was having up until the point. I mean, having a monk walk toward me was very emotional. And But, then, yeah? yeah no, I just, I'm, I'm noticing, of course, in your book you have lots of examples. Have you noticed any gender differences, how this might work with with, with people of different gender? I mean, is it, is it always the same no. or men dream differently or or what 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 is it on that do you think no it's not that men dream differently i think people can dream differently some people can dream with symbols um symbolism other dreams are uh, lucid dreams with conversation like mine mine was not uh symbolism i didn't have to sit down and try and figure out what a monk was they were speaking to me like we're talking So that was the dream. I didn't have to go to a dream dictionary and try and figure it out. Mm. Which that's always been really fascinating to me as um <clears throat> excuse me. As somebody who has a terrible sleep schedule, so my my <laughs> I, I remember a majority of my dreams And the first thing I do is tell my wife when I wake up, and then she says, "Why do you bother? Why are you telling me all of this?" And then proceeds to question my sanity, which is a fair question. Um, so I guess I guess the question is, when it comes to dreams, how much of it is symbolism and how much of it is not? Mm, it depends. Um, I have lots of dreams that that are full of symbolism. Like the other night, I had a dream about a king cobra in my basement. And I often have dreams about snakes, so I don't worry about them. I think they're pretty cool. Um, they usually mean that I'm going to get some really important information. Uh, they're like a symbol to catch my attention uh, that has trained me to say, pay attention to this part of your dream, there's something important. But what happened in this dream is it was only a shadow of a very large cobra on the basement wall, and that cobra's head split into five heads. And I thought, you know, this isn't a normal dream. And I turned around and I walked up the stairs and walked out of it because the cobra was like 10 feet tall. So that's a symbolism. I had to go and look it up. And, and apparently it has to do with the Hindu religion, and it is the, the symbol of, of uh, safety for one of the Hindu gods. He would actually sleep on the stomach of the five-headed snake, which I had no idea about when I had that dream. But that's a symbol dream, whereas the dream with the monks, they were speaking to me. They took my hand, put it on my breast, which was very tactile, different type of dream. Hmm. Suppose you go to your doctor with this, and the doctor doesn't buy it. I mean, you know, what do you do then? Well, you know, a lot of times what you have to do is stand in your power and speak your truth and don't take no for an answer. Or the tallest military, use your command voice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and I remember that the that when I started to have the dreams about the recurrent cancer, and my doctors, who were the chiefs of everybody, were saying, no, no, there's nothing back. I kept saying, I know something's wrong. I know something might be back. And they're like, no, no, it's not. Your mammograms are here. And I kept saying, I need an MRI. Finally, I said to the doctor, look, I'm not leaving your office till I get it. I'm going to lie down here on your floor on my back and kick my feet like a two-year-old. You're going to have to drag me out of here kicking and screaming. And I'm going to be on to Channel 2 News on my cell phone as you do. And dragged me out. And that's how I got my MRI that showed I was in 
um, recurrent, and it was actually 9 by 11 centimeter area, which was huge. If I hadn't done that, if I hadn't acted like a spoiled brat, I wouldn't be talking to you now. I really believe I'd be dead. Well, you know, first before another, I say another word, I want to thank you for sharing these wonderful things with us and for your courage and congratulations on being a survivor. Obviously, you know, your strength and, and, and your positive uh, nature, obviously, that comes across as, you know, I usually don't talk like this, but <laughs> it's inspiring, so, so it's wonderful. And thank you again. Um, okay, can you give us some examples of, of other people whom you've encountered who have uh, had a similar experience and, and whether their dreams were similar to yours or were just personal to them or what, ha- what have you? Well, you know, we have uh, Dr. Larry Burke and I, who's the co-author of the, Burke, the, the uh, book, and he at one point was chief of uh, radiology at Duke University. Now he's cutting back on his schedule a little bit, and so he... Um, he collected a lot of dreams that that came to him during the year we were putting the book together. But the backbone of the book is 20 women who came to him when he was chief of radiology, and uh, they were coming in for radiation treatment. And he would ask them, naturally, you know, uh, how did you find your breast cancer? Uh, did you find it in a mammogram? Did you find it uh, yourself? Um, did your doctor find it? And they would say, I found it in my dreams. My dreams told me I had it. And then I went to my doctor, had a mammogram or an MRI, and that validated my dream, and here I am. So um, there, there were many other dreamers in the book, but one of the ones that Im- impacted me the most was Empero and Rokio um, Aguirre, who dreamt for each other. They were a mother-daughter team. And the thing that made this so amazing was the daughter had dreams that her mother had breast cancer. And she went to her mother and said, Mom, I keep having this recurrent dream that you have breast cancer. And the mother said to her, no, no, you can't do that. If you're having a dream that that I'm having breast cancer, it means you're having breast cancer because you can't dream for other people. And all the people in your dreams are you. That's what all the dream uh, courses have been teaching. So you go to the doctor right away and get that checked out. So the daughter did. She went to the doctor and had a complete physical mammogram, you know, blood test, everything. And her her results came back as being negative for breast cancer. Mm. So she went back to her mother and said, no, now you go. I'm fine. You go. And when the mother went, she was the one with the breast cancer. And so she's in the book in Chapter 7, Our Bleeding Hearts. Because in the dream, her breasts kept, her mother's breasts were bleeding. And it turned out her mother had the breast cancer. That's amazing because she was dreaming for her mother. Well, you know, Kathleen, that, that leads right into a question we received uh, for you today. And it's uh, here, right here, uh, from um, Rick in San Francisco, who was our very faithful show reporter for California. And uh, mm-hmm. what does Rick have to ask? Ben? So Rick writes to us, uh, in Kathleen's experience, has anyone ever dreamed their illness away or dreamed someone else's illness away? 
I know that there are um, stories in the books, and in, and in my case also, I didn't dream the illness away. However, I got guidance in my dreams to help me choose the right chemo, the right foods to eat, the right things to do. So I didn't actually have dreams that dreamed the chemo away, but I had dreams that helped me work through the process of getting healthy again. And um, so I think that in that way, because the other thing that was really important about all these dreams was that in every single case, the dreams told the dreamer to go back to their doctor's they didn't say, go find Swami Wami Rama Lama Ding Dong. You know, I would have done it. They said, you go back to your doctors. So many of them, like me, continue to dream during treatment to help them choose the right treatments. But I don't think anybody dreamed their illness away. But you know what? I never asked that question, and I just might do that for book two. That sounds great. You know, I, I love it. when we, we get that a lot. Nobody's ever asked us that before, and... It's great. Uh, thank you, Rick. Uh, you may have uh, paved the new some new ground here for this <laughs> this research. Um, now, when uh, then my next question was going to be about um, you know how the dreams can guide uh, your care. You know, when you mentioned the right kind of chemo and this sort of thing, uh, maybe you could say a little more about that. And also, where does this information come from? Is is this your body? I'm, I'm a great believer in the idea that your body will tell you when something's wrong. Uh, is that your body talking to you through dreams, or is it the information coming from somewhere or somewhen else, do you think? Well, um, you know, that's a really interesting question, and I think that our body is like a huge computer. Our brain is like a huge computer that runs our body. And so when our if our body were a car and we had a computer chip in our head for our brain, um, for the brain of the car, when the car starts to overheat, the chip, you know, kind of tells you with a display on the car. Oh, that's my Siamese cat in the back. I was going to say, well, we're There's looking the around car. the studio here. Like, yeah, there are cats in the studio. I love cats, but geez. Yeah. That's, yeah, he's Siamese, so he sounds like a baby sitting on the Well, floor. tell him to ask, to wait until I ask him a question before he talks. Okay, Loki, <laughs> did you hear that? You have to wait. Um, That's so okay. I'm just kidding. If our if our uh, brains are telling us through uh, our dreams that something is wrong, we're running a fever. Um, we have a virus. Uh, we have a broken bone, which happened in one of the dreams. That would make a lot of sense. As soon as our body changes temperature by one degree, we start to feel it, and we might have dreams about it. But you know. And I've had a lot of doctors ask me that on their shows, but that doesn't explain the dream that we just discussed about the mother-daughter team. How can the mother dream for the daughter? How can, or the daughter dream for the mother? Mm-hmm. How can the daughter's computer chip be talking to the doctor, to, to the, gosh, I'm really messing this up. How can the daughter's computer chip in her brain be talking about her mother's car? Is the way it is. How can that be showing up on the dashboard in the form of a dream? So I think it goes beyond just our body speaking to us through the dreams. I believe dreams 
are sacred doorways to divine information. And that divine information can be collected from the universal oneness of all of us. And that would explain shared dreams or dreaming for others. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think you put it in different terms than we would, but I think it's essentially the same idea. Uh, <clears throat> one thing that you and Dr. Burke might want to look at, just as a, a humble suggestion, is uh, twins... Uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Also, um, people who are related. Uh, I mean, ben, ben got involved with with my work in 2005 because I was interested in finding out if blood relatives had the same uh, reactions to, uh, in our case, uh, paranormal situations. Or if you well, want to be fair, you actually tested our dog first. <laughs> oh no, actually, before the dog was cousin Marshall. Oh, that's tested. right, it was. Yes. yes. As I, and uh, you were a baby at the time. Uh, that doesn't and, mean I couldn't uh, do dog. anything. Uh, not, not to say we were blood relatives of the dog, but in, in, <laughs> any, case, but in any case, um, there are all sorts of things. So, so, Kathleen, who got there first in this research, so to speak? You were Dr. Burke. I mean, whose idea was it to start researching this? Uh, was it your own experience that got you going? I, 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 I'm sure it was, but was he already working on this? Dr. Burke was already working on this, and he had about 20 women that or 19 women that he had in his study who had come in saying that they had dreams of breast cancer and then their pathology reports validated the dream uh the the dream breast cancer and um then they were in his radiology group so he thought my gosh if i can just find 20 women right here and i can do this research out of duke university i'll bet there are more women around the world. So he went on the computer to see if anybody's name popped up and my name to pop up popped up because I had finished doing my very first book which was called Surviving Cancerland Intuitive Aspects of Healing which was all of my dreams that I had up until it was confirmed by pathology reports and then throughout my treatment I would continue to have these these really bizarre monk dreams. So we got in touch, and he said, will you be part of my research? And I said, I would love to. He sent me all the information, and when he was all done with it, and he had had it um, published in uh, medical journals, I said, so now what? What are you going to do with all this information? You have you know, put it in a, in a, in a, a, a journal that doctors can read, but laymen aren't going to be able to read that. Your patients aren't going to be able to read that. Uh, I said, why don't we do a book? And he said, well, if you can get a, an agent in a publishing house to conventionally publish this, uh, sure. And so, you know, I already had my agent from my first book. And uh, Inner Traditions, who is distributed by Simon & Schuster, yep. offered us a contract. Cool. Hmm. Now, there are so many questions that are popping up here. Is anyone else doing serious research on this? You mentioned Duke University, so immediately the Rhine Center uh, popped into my mind, you know, which used to be the parapsychology lab at Duke many mm-hmm. years ago. Um, is anyone else doing serious, organized research on this subject that you know of? You know, you probably would have had to ask him, but I think that that's been asked before on um, some shows, and I think he said that there were some more medical doctors doing types of dream research, but not necessarily this this kind. And Dr. Larry Burke was affiliated with Rhine Research. Okay. So he's familiar with Rhine Research and yeah. the parental studies that go on okay. there. I, mm-hmm. I knew uh, Louisa Rhine years ago, <laughs> many years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So well, let's get into Ben, unless you have something else. 
Well, I do, but yeah, I wanted we'll, I wanted to get into it after the break because we are oh th- up that's on true. The break. Okay, well, just um, I would like to get into a little bit the, the nature of of dreams, the nature of the symbolism, precisely mm-hmm. where dreams come from, what what they may be, although that's not entirely known. But I think we can probably do that uh, after the break. In the meantime, why don't you tell us, Kathleen, about your website, uh, the the books, where people can find out more. Sure. Um, you can go to my website at www.kathleenokeefecannabis, and that's O-K-E-E-F-E-K-A-N-A-V-O-S, or you can just type into the search bar um, on your computer, the queen of dreams. <laughs> because that is the title of, of a couple of my dream columns that I write. Sure. And it'll be easy to find me that way. The Queen of Dreams. Okay. Uh, and the books are available, uh, Amazon and the usual suspects? Oh, yes. And they're, uh, and if, coming from inner traditions, they'd be in stores as well. They are. Good, good. Okay. Well, let's uh, take our break there. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's really pretty Blackstone River Valley. And we'll be right back. Stick with us. Hi, Parrothead. This is Joe Callahan, your Mater D in the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. One full hour of nothing but Jimmy Buffett music. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by attorney Bob Lauder and by the Carew Investment Group. Get down to brass tacks at home with me, Bob Vila, and my tip of the day every day right here. Bob Vila's Home Improvement Tip of the Day can only be heard on ON AM and FM every weekday at 6.50 in the morning. Bob Vila's Home Improvement Tip of the Day is brought to you by Cumberland Kitchen and Bath Design Center. Bob Vila's Home Improvement Tip of the Day on ON Radio. Local and live at 99.5 FM. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and not, uh, local and live on 99.5. I, I love that. <laughs> That's uh, with, the, with the new FM. We do signal. love rhymes, don't we? Yes, we do, and alliteration. And our wonderful guest today, uh, Kath- Kathleen O'Keefe Conovos, who is uh, not only a dream expert, but uh, author and uh, award-winning books, uh, just having a wonderful conversation on dreams and disease. What dreams mm-hmm. can tell you about uh, the possibility that you have disease and how to uh, how to treat it? Okay, Kathleen, now let's uh, get back to our conversation. Sort of in the um, uh, before we get into the nature of dreams, as we said earlier. Um, I don't know if Ben's ready to ask his question. Oh yeah, I was I was I was doing a little diagram so that I, I could get my thoughts in order quickly because <laughs> I sometimes you know you get you get talking and then you're like oh crap I, I don't remember exactly how to put everything together and make the words just right so i diagrammed it out um and it's it's interesting that you know cancer is is a huge affliction not only on our our society but the world itself and it's the origins of the disease are are very no one no one really knows you know it could be from a a million different sources whether it's possible gamma rays radiation you know skin cancer brain cancer whatever A, a, a close friend of mine Actually, just got diagnosed with brain cancer, so it's very, it's very, uh, it, it affects and touches 
everyone in some way, shape, or form. I, I, I can probably guarantee that most people listening know someone or at least know of someone who has some sort of form of cancer or has died from a form of cancer. So that being said, cancer as a disease is automatically just, you say the word cancer and it just, you know, you, you feel, you feel, uh, you have an emotional reaction to it. And that being said, why is cancer so powerful in this? Why do you believe that this, this disease in and of itself is, is something that, that your, that your body responded to? Why not, you know, influenza or, um, I don't know, diabetes, something in that realm? Well, there, there is a, actually a story in the book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, that was about diabetes. This oh, yes. woman was having uh, dreams uh, about, uh, I think at one point she had some uh, fruit and stuff or, or a cake, piece of cake that kept popping out of a cabinet in her kitchen and like falling on her or showing itself to her. So there are dreams about other diseases in the book too, but because cancer is such a killer, um, and the earlier you can find it, the better your chances are of of um, overcoming it. That I think our dreams, which I call sacred doorways to the divine, start to to come into play. And also, there's a paranormal aspect to it. I believe um, many of the dreams that people had were visitation dreams from dead loved ones. That was a thread that ran throughout the book. Um, my my deceased mother. Uh, came into my dreams a number of times. One of them was before I had gone back to the doctor the second time. And she reached down and took my hands in my dream. And I thought, well, that's weird. Where's my mother coming from here? Because uh, it was like she was on the left-hand side of my dream and just kind of reached into it while I was dreaming, grabbed my hands and said, you are going to be just Fine. And that's in my first book, not in the Dreams That Can Save Your Your Life book, but the Surviving Cancer book. And I thought, why am I going to be just fine? There's nothing wrong with me. But it turned out I had stage 2 breast cancer, and it was already in my lymph nodes, which meant if my dreams had not been there for me, if that sacred doorway to the divine had not opened, and I had monks come through and tell me that I had cancer, I might have not found that cancer until it was in stage four and too late. So obviously we're here, um, you know, for a purpose on, on the earth plane. Even if our parents tell us we were, you know, happened accidentally in the backseat of that old Ford, obviously we're here accidentally on purpose. And so disease is part of life. We catch it when you're alive. I don't believe you catch disease when you're dead. And so our dreams can help us find that disease early enough to make sure we can survive it and go on and fulfill our life purpose on the earth plane. And we can get paranormal help through dreams. And so that being said, um, which I like that answer, um, near-death experiences, do you believe in, in some way, shape, or form that there might be a link between dreams and near-death experiences? I think uh, from from what I've heard and uh, from other people, I think it's very close. I think it's you know you're you're no longer in the in the room between realms. <laughs> you go through that other door on the other side into the area of of death. You've you've passed over, and for some reason, one of the monks like ran after you and said, "I'm sorry, but uh, you went through the wrong door here. You're you're not supposed to die yet." And brings you back 
into the room between realms and then back into your living world through your dreams and you kind of wake up at that point. Well, <clears throat> when it comes to dream symbolism, <clears throat> excuse me, um, <clears throat> I'm wondering if they're the same for everybody. Now, now when you look into the uh, a dream dictionary, or anything, you know, there, sometimes there are differing definitions for the different symbols. Now, I'm looking at a couple here. Uh, monks uh, mean spirituality, devote, in your dream, that is, spirituality, devotion, dedication, wisdom. Uh, another thing says here that uh, they, they represent aspects of our personality that sacrifice desire and pleasure for a greater purpose. Uh, another one is a desire to leave the world, uh, et, cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, I guess, but yeah, why did you dream of a monk? And if I dreamed of a monk, would it mean the same thing as it did to you? Well, I, I tend to believe that we all have spirit guides, guardian angels. We're born with them, and uh, we're their job, and they take that job very seriously, and they will come over from the other realm uh, when we need them and and return. I, haven't, I don't have monks in my dreams every night. I believe that there is a symbolism for monks, and I'm sure that, that, you know, there's a symbolism for feathers. And so you could break down all my dreams and understand the symbolism as well as just hearing the voices talk to you or talk to me and tell you what's going on. I believe every dream is is important to that specific dreamer, and the symbols they have are important to them. And that's why I believe that um, our body, our mind, speaks to us using signs and symbols, just as, as you talked about. And each sign is, and symbol is different for each of the dreamers. So although a dream dictionary is great for helping you understand signs and symbols in your dreams that you may not know right away, I think we also kind of need to delve a little deeper go a little deeper than just a dictionary and ask yourself, okay, well, the dictionary, the dream dictionary says this, but what does a snake mean to me personally? When I see that snake, am I afraid? And if the answer is no, then you have to, if the answer is no, you're not afraid, then you have to ask yourself, so what does it mean to me? And to me, snakes have always been, like, really smart. I mean, to be able to slither around and do all the things they do and have people run when they don't even have legs, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty darn smart. So as you have these unusual dreams, write them in your dream dictionary, underline the words that are important to you, as we were talking about, and figure out what they mean to you for your own dream language. Interesting. Well, that's that's actually really fascinating. Um, so I I had I a few weeks ago I had the flu and it was terrible. And <laughs> I I typically don't have nightmares, but when I do, it always involves spiders because I have horrible arachnophobia. And it, <laughs> and it is it's in. I looked it up very recently because it's always it's always something horrifying and they usually become very lucid and then I feel a giant spider or something touching me which is terrifying <laughs> it is and it, at some points it's almost like sleep paralysis it's very disturbing anyway so it, it's interesting because I feel very uncomfortable with the dream I tell other people they feel very uncomfortable with the dream, but I look up things like, what do spiders mean in dreams? And it's like, oh, you're just stuck and, you know, you want to be creative. And I'm like, I mean, yes, but why is it so terrifying? <laughs> Creativity is terrifying? I know. Oh, my gosh. That's, you know, that's a great question. And I have a fear of spiders, as, 
as well. And if I have a spider in my dream, it will wake me right up. I mean, I will wake right up out of that dream and go, okay, let's exit this dream door to the left immediately. Uh, and, and usually it's because whatever I was dreaming about just before the spider, I don't care how small it is, uh, I still will wake up from that dream, uh, because those, those, those spiders jump. <laughs> so I, I could be all the way across the room and I know, it, hey, it's a dream that spider could jump two miles and get me. So I, I know that I need to wake up at that moment and write down what I remember of that dream because it's a way your inner selves are waking you up so that you don't forget that important aspect of the dream. What happened? What was going on right before the spider? Well, now you've just described, Kathleen, uh, I guess what would be called a lucid dream, a dream in which you know that you're dreaming, which leads right into my next question. In these, uh, for lack of a better term, diagnostic dreams, are are they lucid dreams or or does that depend on the person? Um, Do you know you're dreaming? Can you manipulate the environment at all? Sometimes you can. Sometimes they are lucid dreams. Sometimes they're not. Some people were just avid lucid dreamers. I'm an avid, avid lucid dreamer. Um, I, I also am a natural flyer. I fly all over the place. I always did. Since I, I was a, a small child, I remember at one point when I was like maybe three or four years old, I tried to run in my dreams when I was learning to actually, you know, run as a child. And I remember thinking to myself, this is crazy. I have to drop down on all fours and try and grab the grass to pull myself when I'm running. I'm just going to fly. And boom, I took off. And I <laughs> flew through my dreams ever since. But uh, some of the dreamers in the book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, are lucid dreamers and with lucid dreams, and some are not. And you can work toward becoming a lucid dreamer once you know that you're not and that you're not having lucid dreams by simply asking yourself the next time you have a dream, set your intention to look down at your hands during a dream and and have that um, actually be the trigger to allowing you to know you're dreaming. That's all you need to do. And suddenly that dream immediately shifts to a lucid dream. Hmm. And you say to yourself, oh, my gosh, I'm dreaming. I'm looking at my hands and I'm dreaming. Now you're lucid dreaming. Many lucid dreams helped people get the information that they needed to deal with their illness. And I know in the book, I know you asked me earlier, did anybody dream their way out of their illness? And I said, not that I... I know of, but there was one dream. It wasn't so much that they dreamed themselves out of the illness because she had had a mammogram that showed a dark, uh, a spot or a mass on the mammogram. And she had another mammogram scheduled and she continued to work on her breast in her lucid dreams. And when she went back for the follow-up mammogram, there was no a questionable area on it. So did she use her lucid dreams to heal her breast? Maybe. I can't say absolutely yes. Uh, whereas all the other dreams were validated by pathology reports and then the people used their dreams to help them with conventional medicine to get through their illness. So if you're not a lucid dreamer and you want to become a lucid dreamer, take it a step at a time. Set your intention before you go to bed at night. Tell yourself you want to look at your hands or your feet and then 
you'll start becoming a lucid dreamer. And once you do that, then you can start directing your dreams and actually use healing techniques in your lucid dreams. Okay, uh, let's get back a little bit to, to the symbols because I'm really curious about this. Mm-hmm. If um, Now, in your case, there were monks who were pretty specific that you had an issue and were trying to help. Are mm-hmm. there simply symbols that don't interact with you in the dream that would be clues that there's something wrong, particularly regarding cancer? Well, yes, some of the, quite a few of the, the uh, dreamers in the book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life, dreamt about spiders. Um, they, there were spiders, like in, in one woman's mouth, she had spiders in her mouth. Turned out she had tongue cancer that the doctors kept missing. They kept doing biopsies in the wrong places, and her dreams kept telling her that she had these spiders, and, and, and a spider is a sign like a crab of cancer. So... Yeah, you you can have that symbolism in your dreams. Mm-hmm. Have you dealt with people from other cultures um, in in this research? In other words, uh, it's, it's unlikely that someone from uh, you know an animistic or Hindu culture would, uh, or somebody you know half a million years ago would be dreaming about a monk. Uh, mm-hmm. It does seem that there was a certain amount of uh, personal approach there. I mean, have you? I looked at other cultures, and if there might be a suggestion for the next book if, if you wanted to do that, you know, because there are lots of um, you know people from the Orient or wherever who might not have the same symbolism we have. Oh yes, and and I think it's in the book. Um, uh, some of the people in the book were from South America, so yeah. actually that's why I asked the question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So so it, it, yes, they did. Um, and um, I believe that there were other religions in the book too, and they had they had uh, guides or their dreams that that spoke to them in their their language, you know, in their language, not only verbal language but also the symbolism from their cultures. So, you know, we're going to talk to ourselves in a language that we can understand. <laughs> so, mm. you know. Yes. Now, getting into back into one of Ben's points, uh, he and I have shared dreams at times over the years, um, and uh, it's it's been rather striking. The theories that we theories and methods we have developed or I've developed over the last fifty years have been essentially gone into the quantum quantum reality, and you might say the hologram or um, parallel worlds, that sort of thing, and. With, with the, I have a very odd sleep schedule too, even though I work at home, and it's, uh, I just, I, re, I remember lots and lots, and I have a dream record going back 20 years. Goodness. And, uh, it's, um, I think that, that very often we, we may be, in, in my opinion, uh, experiencing parallel lives, uh, mm-hmm. with, with whole life memories, uh, in, in that, in those worlds, because when you have a broken sleep schedule, but you still get the sleep you need in the sense of length of it, uh, and you write them down, uh, it, it's amazing what, what can have. Yeah, I'm sure you know this. But uh, my question is, has uh, has there ever been consideration that there may be uh, parallel versions of oneself who may be warning us about these particular physical ailments, you know, from, from more aware parallel worlds or that sort of thing, and it's not all necessarily... Uh, spirits doing this, or even the body talking to itself. I mean, it's just another, another thought. I wondered if you'd ever considered that. Yes, I, I have. I, I think that um, you know the time continuum isn't necessarily just one path. 
that Einstein talked about, um, you know, I think there could be parallel universes and we could be connecting with our other selves uh, through the sacred dream, dream doors. There are many doors, the, the one that leads into the realm between realm. We don't know what other doors go out of that realm. And it is quite possible that we're reconnecting with ourselves in that sacred dream room. Um, and so it, it, it kind of begs the question, when we're in crisis, do all of ourselves come to our rescue? And, mm. uh, you know, cross over time, space, universes, and and uh, brain waves. Uh, do we we ride our own brain waves in order to come to our aid? So then, I guess the 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 sort of last question that I, I have that comes to mind is: Let's say, um, you know, of of these cases that have been studied, people remember their dreams or they find them significant. What about the people who don't find them significant? What about the people who don't remember their dreams? Do you believe that they are also having dreams like this? For example, a friend of mine who just got diagnosed with brain cancer, maybe he had dreams and didn't pay attention to them? Is that Do you, do you believe that this is sort of a universal for specifically cancer or any other sort of life-threatening disease? Mm, it's an interesting question because I actually talk about that in my very first book, uh, Surviving Cancer Land. I, I asked myself after a dream where I kept having this huge train barreling down on me, and I kept seeing the same people in my dreams walking around with me like the same group of people, and I, they started introducing themselves to me and telling me their names. And I remember thinking in the dream at <laughs> the time, um, if I, the, uh, as soon as I saw the train coming again, I thought, you know, these are just my emotions barreling down on me. But I remember thinking to myself, if I were not meant to understand this dream, and if my monks were not meant to save me, would I not remember these dreams and just go over the cliff with the train because it was time for me not, not to, it was time for me to go without knowing about this in this realm is this my exit card Hmm. so I think there are some people that won't get any information about this because it's their exit strategy they nobody can live forever everybody's got to do something to get off this planet nobody gets off this planet alive um, eventually so the answer to your question is if you're supposed to um get guidance on either your treatment or how to get through the illness, then you have those dreams. If you're not, if you're simply supposed to use this as your exit strategy, you may not know anything about it. Or yes, you may have been having the dreams, not understanding them and ignoring them. And now that you have the illness, you go back and say, oh my gosh, now all of that makes so much sense. Why didn't I pay attention? And it could be a way you're, you're, your inner guides, your inner self, your spirit guides are saying, okay, so you didn't then, do it now, because now we can guide you through this treatment. It's not time for you to go. All right, one more question about the actual dreams. How else do they stand out from garden variety dreams? Are they more realistic? Are the colors more vivid? Or, or is, is there any particular uh, factor by which they stand out of that kind? Well, they are different in that they're almost impossible to ignore. 
They stick with you for days, months, years. Um, sometimes you can go back and remember a dream from years ago because all of a sudden it came true if it was a precognitive dream. In in the book Dreams That Can Save Your Life, I talk about a precognitive I dream, dream I had called the three pearls, which told me I would have three cancers. I would catch the cancers, and they would be contained. Um, but the dream didn't come true for almost five years. And in that dream, I met my physician within. She came out of a door in a waiting room and introduced herself to me, came over, shook my hand and said, hi, my name is Dr. Jules. I'm your physician within. And then the crabs started skittering across the floor and she said, catch those. And I, and I gave chase. So, you know, and I couldn't forget it because I was shocked when I met this woman and she said, hi, I'm your physician within. I'm Dr. Jules. I mean, how do you forget that? You know, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's yeah. like, what? I'm dreaming, you're my physician within, and suddenly the dream becomes very lucid. So, yeah, hmm. it's a different dream. And, and most of the author, most of the um, uh, storytellers in the book who sent in their dreams, they say the dream was impossible to ignore. Like Dr. Troutman, some of the people that wrote their dreams were actual phys- uh, physicians. Dr. Troutman, in his dream where he is carrying his dead body, across his high, his uh, elementary school playground and throws it over a, a ledge into a heap on the ground. And he goes, well, that's it, I'm dead. And that dream stuck with him. And he thought, you know, there's something really wrong with me. I better go get checked out. And you're right. Well, that, that sort of thing really would stick with you. Where, yeah. do, you, where do you go next with this research? Well, I think in the next book that Dr. Larry Burke and I are collecting stories for, and, and by the way, Dr. Bernie Siegel wrote the foreword to the book, and I'm hoping he's going to be involved, a little more involved in the next book because he was amazing. Uh, we would like to include more than just dreams about illnesses. What about dreams you have that save you from a horrible car accident that, that kills a member of your family? What if you keep having that precognitive dream and then one day... You're driving on icy roads and you see the the broken sign that was in your dream and you see that you can't see the curb that was in your dream and you pull off the road and a truck goes sliding through a stop sign sideways because the roads are icy and if you had continued without remembering that dream, you would have been killed. Those are some of the dreams that we're going to collect and put in the next book. What if you dreamed about the love of your life? What if you dreamed about your pet? On and on and on. Wow, that's 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 interesting stuff. Can you tell us one more time your website and your books and uh, where people can find out more? Sure, all of my books now, uh, except for the last one that just came out in in uh, November. It's not up in audio yet, and that's Chaos to Clarity. And there are some dream uh, precognitive dream stories in there about a woman who uh, realized that she had an allergy that the doctors were missing, and it was really really messing up her life. But my first dream is Surviving Cancer Land, Intuitive Aspects of Healing. The second one that we're talking about today is more fully is Dreams That Can Save Your Life, Early Warning Signs of Cancer and Other Diseases. And those are all on my website, KathleenO'KeefeCannabis.com or The Queen of Dreams. And when you go on my website for your audience today, they can download a free Dream 101 course right next to the button that says newsletter. Cool. 
And there's a link also on our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, the Kathleen site. Kathleen th- O'Keefe Carnivals, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we'll be in touch off the air. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. I always love to talk about the paranormal and dreams. Very good. It, well, you do a good job of it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, everybody. Let's get to our announcements here. And uh, uh, I guess I'll do, Ben is doing the thing here. So uh, On Saturday, February 15th, from 1 to 4 p.m., uh, Ben and I will make our appearance at the 5th Annual Book Lovers and Authors Expo at the Cumberland Public Library. 1464 Diamond Hill Road, Cumberland, Rhode Island. We won't give a lecture, but we have a, we'll have our books with us. There'll be a number of other authors, and it's always fun. Uh, it's a, it's a great couple of hours. Uh, we meet some terrific people, and there are a lot of great authors there. So, uh, on, yeah, if you want to do this next year. Sure. On, uh, April 3rd, 4th, and 5th, we'll be at the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine. Uh, the first two days of the event, Friday and Saturday, will be at the Community Center at 120 Rogers Road, uh, for Sunday the 5th. We will move to the Lions Club at 117 State Road uh, for the rest of the event, which will include a live broadcast for the show between noon and 1 p.m. All proceeds from this event go to help support the historic Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Mass., and toward the uh, upkeep of the veterans' gravesites there, uh, along with uh, ourselves, speakers, uh, almost all of whom are uh, known to everybody who has listened to this show. We'll include Bill Brock of Discovery Channel's Monsters Underground, uh, Paranormal Investigator Shane Searway, uh, Ancient Sites Expert Dennis Stone, Bigfoot Hunter uh, Dave McCulloch, and uh, Reincarnation Researcher Stephen uh, Sacalarius, Researcher and Broadcaster Tim Weisberg, now the host of the uh, hit nighttime show Midnight in the Desert, uh, founded by Art Bell, and many more. And you can order tickets at EssexCountyGhostProject.org. And naturally, we'll be back at the Exeter UFO Conference on uh, on Labor Day weekend, that's September 5th and 6th, as speakers. And we will also do our fifth annual live broadcast from the historic Exeter Town Hall on Sunday, the 6th at noon, and the event is sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club to raise funds for local children's charities. And there will be other events throughout the year. Uh, just stay tuned for that, including the Greater New England UFO Conference in uh, Lemonster, Massachusetts, on Columbus Day weekend. Uh, I will be honored this year to be the keynote speaker. i told that's because of my, I guess, my 50th, what, what they call job anniversary, job Whatever. Work Anna- anniversary, anniversary of something. In the, in the paranormal, anyway. So, uh, so you can also check out our books, including Behind the Paranormal, uh, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, Monsters You've Never Heard of, and now Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God, and they're available from online retailers and in some stores. But for autographed copies, please visit the online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, also, BehindTheParanormal.com, you can find more about the show, our many cases over the years, there are links. And uh, some of the uh, 850 free recorded shows are have been restored. Uh, we have constant trouble with attacks on that site. Uh, however, we have gotten around that by placing, there are 640 now past shows on the major pod- podcast platforms and on YouTube. So that includes... For those who do not know, that includes Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, or iTunes Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, whatever whatever works best for you. And on Apple Podcasts, if you do listen to us via that, please be sure to give us a rating, leave a review, and it uh, helps us grow the show. 
Cool. Uh, what's, what's on for next week, Ben? So, next Sunday, February 2nd, is Super Bowl Sunday and Groundhog Day, and we will be back with the great Murray Silva uh, with the subject of defeating parasites. And we'll leave you this afternoon with an uplifting thought from our friend, the 13th century Persian poet and theologian Rumi. Stop acting small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll catch you next time behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition.